Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can prepare, respond, and recover from any man-made, natural disaster or situation. And today, I am going to bring you some real-life stuff that I recently went through in order to test my preparedness. Now, I've discussed multiple times that I am not a long-standing member of this community, that I've only really been in it for the last year or two, and that my preparedness and my readiness are not necessarily up to the levels of the guests that I have had on this show and will continue to have on this show. And that was brought to light the other day when lightning actually struck my next door neighbor's house. So I'm going to walk you through what I experienced that night and then discuss with you some ways that I have learned that I can be more prepared, some steps that I took, and some information that, frankly, I just was not aware of until I literally experienced this. Now, some background on what went down. The electricity actually went off right around the 4.30-ish to 5 p.m. mark, and electricity goes off intermittently where we live when storms come. So I was not expecting it to be a long-standing power outage. Right about, I'd say, 30 minutes later or so is when my neighbor's house was hit by the lightning. The storm wasn't exceptionally bad. In fact, it wasn't even more than a drizzle at the time. And by the time we all left our houses to go help the neighbor inspect their home, there wasn't really any more of a drizzle than maybe just that light little mist that can come down. So not a hard storm. In other words, I have seen hard storms here where the hail, the size of peas comes down for 15, 20 minutes. And it's like a deluge, like somehow a hurricane just showed up in the middle of my neighborhood and then just as rapidly disappears. So I know what a heavy storm is like in my area. This was not that. And I was not expecting it to escalate the way that it did, nor to have our electricity out for the better part of 12, 13 hours. When the electricity popped off, Everyone in the house just went about their day, really, because we weren't utilizing anything as far as television or the internet at the time. So I went up into the workout room and started riding the exercise bike. A girlfriend was doing some work on her cell phone, which was fine at the time. That did change a little bit later. Um, uh, The stepson, her son, he was probably the least happy with the whole situation because his video game went off. So I do stand corrected. Somebody in this house was using the internet. And what he ended up doing was just messing around in his room. So when I'm on the exercise bike, I had opened up the window and I'm on the exercise bike for no more than five or 10 minutes. When this crash of lightning makes this sound like it literally exploded outside of my window. And what I very much remember was this very bright yellow light. Um, So much to the point where I didn't just, stay on the bike. I immediately got out and I looked outside the window and it's on the second floor. So I'm able to see over my neighbor's fence across the street to the neighbor who lives on the house on the hill, which I have funny jokes about that's where the ghosts and the murders occur because it just has this old creepy look to it. And that neighbor came out and was standing on her front porch and she yells across over to me, is everybody okay? And my only question back was, did somebody's house just get hit by lightning? And she goes, yeah, the house behind you, your neighbor, 
So I immediately jump into action mode because if this person's, my neighbor's house has been hit by lightning, if they were in it, they could be hurt. They could be in need of emergency assistance and potentially having never gone through a house being hit by lightning next door to me, their house could be on fire. I don't know, but what's going on in their world can very quickly escalate to being a part of my world if I don't take action, get over there and just understand the situational awareness, review the situation, see where I can be a participant in helping and offer that assistance to them if so desired. So run outside. Um, one of the first ones, a neighbor across the way in the, at the front of the cul-de-sac was also coming out of their house and yelled back at me, what just happened? And I'm like, our next door neighbor's house was just hit by lightning. So I run over there and immediately just begin to inspect the outside of their house because they're not home. And I go straight over to where I see the direct TV satellite that's on the ground to inspect because I've done some weed eating around their house uh, just to be neighborly. And so I knew that there was sort of like an electrical type box on the side of their house by their direct TV satellite. And when I get over there, um, the satellite needless to say, looks charred. This this gray box on the side of their house is completely fried out. The door of it had flown off and it very much had like black, like uh, I wouldn't call it soot, but you could definitely tell like an electrical charge had gone through this box. And so then I began to walk around their house. And when I got to the back porch going through their backyard gate, um, they've got chickens as well. I wanted to make sure the chickens were okay. I noticed that in the corners of their backyard where they had the floodlights were perhaps they were set to sensors previously so that they would go on if there was any movement at night. They all had black char around them as well. And then there was also some pieces of wood upon the ground and what looked like black char pieces of wood and such at the base of the house. Like it said, something had exploded out. It was a lot to take in coming from a novice who knows nothing about electricity and lightning and what this possibly could mean. Uh, it was very obvious that a massive surge had gone through their home, but I wasn't prepared. Um, let me take that back. It wasn't that I wasn't prepared. I was not knowledgeable enough to know if like what I was seeing was going to, was a problem uh, beyond just the fact that their entire electrical circuits inside their houses could be fried. Like that was clearly something that could be a potential but I don't know enough about electricity to know is is there a chance that there is a a spark or a fire going on inside of their walls that I'm not privy to knowing about because I can't get into their house because once again they're not there. They are a neighbor whose number I have. I don't have a lot of my neighbors' numbers, and we'll discuss that at the end because um, I've come up with this really good idea of uh, getting the whole call to sack in on a neighborhood watch, which is something I have yet to step into. Don't even really know all my neighbors, but considering what I do and my uh, experience with building neighborhood watches and community leadership, that is something that I definitely am going to take a leadership role on. And back to the story, uh, we texted our next door neighbor and was like, hey, your house just got hit by lightning. How far away are you from your home? And they were returning from dinner. So they were there within five minutes. And I mean, literally, I just come back from the backyard and they were already there. So this whole thing took about 10 minutes from lightning strike to them being home. And when they went inside their house, it definitely stunk of burn 
wires. They, it's, they were like, yeah, it really smells like something's on fire in our house, but nothing seems to be showing signs of fire. So fire department gets called because that's what you do in a situation like this. Um, we were the first responders as far as making sure that there was no visible fire. Now let's bring in the professionals. Let's make sure that there's no internal fire inside of the walls. Um, they did have to pull off a, a piece of the wall where they were a little concerned. Ultimately, no fire was having was happening in their home. And now here we are about two weeks later from this whole situation. And their home is still not repaired. Like they're going to have a lot of rewiring inside their houses done. And uh, they got, you know, insurance companies have to get involved now and professional electricians and all of this stuff. And so I tell you all of this to give you background to what we're going to be discussing today, which is how better ways to be prepared when your electricity goes out and also some really awesome information about lightning and what you can do to prepare for a lightning strike near you or at your home or in your neighborhood, as well as uh, a little bit of the origin of lightning, because this was really, really exciting for me to learn after the fact. Once all the hubbub in the neighborhood died down and we were like, okay, this is unfortunate for our neighbor. We will be there to support. Um, we've already let them use our electrical outlets on more than one occasion in order to have fans and stuff inside their home while they're there. They are staying at their parents' house currently, so they have not really been our neighbor now for two weeks. Go over there, check on their chickens, and I love weed eating. It's like my literal zen. I got a weed eater and I weed eat everything I possibly can, so I have been over there weed eating their backyard <laughs> and all and trimming their driveway and helping out in that manner. And so uh, after all of this, I started to talk to Tom about lightning. And from that conversation, I started to do some investigation on lightning. And what's really interesting is that lightning can actually start from both the sky in the clouds and the ground. But the most common form starts in the sky. Um, the process begins within storm clouds where there's a separation of electrical charges. The upper regions of the cloud usually become positively charged, while the lower regions become negatively charged. And when the difference between these charges becomes large enough, a discharge or lightning strike occurs. So this is when you see the lightning go across the sky. Um, certainly we're familiar with the downward lightning that's more storm related versus the lateral lightning, which is more like the heat lightning related. And this is, again, having to do with electrical charges within the clouds and temperatures and, and how those whole things work. I'm not a meteorologist, but I'm giving you the background I can in layman's terms because I'm not trying to get you all lost in the sauce here. So this steeped leader, the initial channel of ionized air that moves from the clouds towards the ground this is that lightning strike that you see. This is the lightning across the sky that we're all very well aware of. So as this stepped leader, this lightning nears the ground, objects on the ground, i.e. trees and buildings, even people, can produce an upward leader, a channel of ionized air that actually moves upwards towards the stepped leader, which is just the lightning from the sky. And then when these two leaders meet, they create a path for the lightning bolt. So the actual visible flash of this lightning bolt that we see, that return stroke, moves from the ground back up to the cloud, right, along the path created by the initial leader that was started in the clouds. 
So while the initial ionization and the stepped leader starts from the clouds, the visible part of the lightning bolt that we actually see moves from the ground back up to the cloud. This is mind-blowing. This process happens so fast that it appears as though the lightning is only moving from the cloud to the ground, but it's not. It's literally starting up there, meets some ionized energy down the ground, and creates this bolt back up. It's actually coming from the ground. So what does this have to do with anything? Whenever I started to dive into how to reduce the likelihood that my house might be struck by lightning, it came up with some things that I was very interested in diving into a little bit more. There's The first one we're going to cover is the lightning protection system. Right? This includes lightning rods, conductive cables, ground rods. These lightning rods are placed at regular intervals on the highest parts of your house, like the roof. The conductive cables connect the rods and provide a direct path leading to the ground rods, which then disperse the lightning safely into the earth. If you need professional assistance with this, obviously a professional electrician can help you as well as if you think that you're a DIYer, you can watch videos on YouTube on how to um, how to set up your own lightning protection system. There are plenty of people on YouTube who are more than happy to uh, help you with that. Trimming trees is absolutely going to help. Recently, a a next door neighbor across the street cut down a very tall tree, probably 50, 60 foot tall. Can't help but wonder, had that tree still been there, would that lightning have hit the tree and not my neighbor's house? Um, Also, was their home inviting to electricity? So one of the things that I researched in all of this is that um, there's going to be a charge coming from the house that's going to invite that, right? Let's go back to what I just talked when I went on Mr. Science Guy on you. There's the stepped leader that starts in the sky, but there's also going to be an electrical charge that comes from the ground. And this can be buildings, and this can be trees, and this can be people. So their home was giving off some kind of electrical charge that allowed the lightning from the sky to meet the lightning from the ground the ionization from the ground. So something about their house actually attracted the lightning. And this is where you want to know, is your house properly grounded? Because if it's not, right, if you have, don't have a grounding system in your home designed to direct electricity to the earth, then you're ultimately just, it's like it sounds like anyways from my research that your house is literally giving off like a magnet to the sky step leader. It's like, hello, Mr. Lightning Bolt from out there in the clouds. Why don't you come visit me? Um, There's a lot more to it than that, but simply checking to find out if your home is properly grounded is of the utmost importance because clearly my neighbor's was not and that's why the electricity exploded out of the bottom of the house and exploded through all of the, the lightning fixtures. Now, where the lightning hit, oh, above the garage, right below a window, there was actually an exposed wire, very long, probably about nine foot of wire that started inside, let's just say the attic, because it came through the roof, and went back in like a foot away from where you can see it come out. I don't know why it was there. I'm not really sure what that had to do with anything, but this wire had been hanging uh, off their roof and sort of wrapped around in their gutter. Is that what invited the lightning? No idea. But that is what the lightning traveled upon. It hit there, 
and it traveled through that wire. That wire did go down into that gray box next to the direct TV. The neighbors did say that was a thing. That's why that whole thing fried out. And then needless to say, that wire must have had some kind of connection to the back lights and somewhere inside the bottom of their house because the whole backyard had pieces of wood that were not there before, according to them, and all their lights were fried. So this whole thing plays out, and now they could be dealing with thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of damage that ultimately is going to need insurance claims and that whole deal. And, you know, natural disasters, man-made disasters, it's not like somebody calls us up and says, hey, is it a convenient time if I send a huge bolt of lightning through your home right now? That's not the way this stuff works. So there is a certain amount of preparedness you can have, and then it's actually what is it you're doing afterward? to make sure that you have prepared yourself enough to respond and then recover. That's why it's prepare, respond, and recover. So some of the things that I made sure of to have in my own home so that I could be prepared for this, um, surge protection devices. Always have surge protection devices on all of my major uh televisions and computers and stuff of that nature. Plus, when these storms start to go off in a little out there and back like they tend to do here in northern Alabama, I just go through and just shut off and unplug the uh, power strip that everything is plugged into. Better that my computer isn't even connected to the wall. At the time, I've got a laptop and I've got a big iMac. I can just unplug the iMac and just turn it off. It doesn't even need to be on. That's certainly something that I'm very, very well aware of to make sure that that's happened because I don't want to see my televisions blow up. I mean, I'm not saying that the electrical charge going through the house still might not do something to the inner components, but having them plugged directly into the wall um, or even a, a surge protector, I would better safe than sorry if you start asking me about what it is I'm going to have to do financially in order to respond and recover from the entire situation. So that's something I would highly recommend that you're being aware of is what is plugged in, what cannot be plugged in, you know, refrigerators, ovens. These are things that if they go out could cost you thousands of dollars. And now you've got to go through the insurance company for those. Let's stay on the preparing for lightning strikes preparation so that we can get through this. And then I'll talk to you about what I did in my home to one, what have I already done to be prepared? for um, electricity going out for 12 hours. And for you, you know, mid-range to experts at this, a lot of this stuff might seem like things you've already done for yourself, but maybe there's people in your life that you could make sure that they've got these things taken care of. But let's wrap up the lightning strike, stick around to the end, and we'll make sure that we get to how you can be prepared. And if you're really enjoying this information and you're enjoying this show, make sure you give us a follow, a subscribe. Heck, if there's a way for you to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever app you're listening to, throw us one of those because then it helps the algorithm get this information to other people who are in need of it and would find it just as valuable as you do because clearly you are allowing me in your ears right now. And that is one of the most amazing things that I could ask of people. So back to preparing for lightning strikes. How do you have lightning rods to guide the electricity safely into the ground? If you can't figure this out on your own, then get a professional to come out and talk you through it. Do you have the surge protectors for your electronic devices? And while you're at it, just go ahead and unplug the ones you're not using during storms because better safe than sorry. Do you have an evacuation plan? For safe shelter during a lightning event, is that something that you need to be thinking about? Where would you go? Is the local school a place where people can evacuate to? Is that always going to be open, even in the case of a non-less severe 
storm because this storm I'm talking about was not that severe compared to the hail deluges I've gone through in the last year and a half, two years since I moved here. This was actually a pretty weak storm, but it caused a lot of damage in my cul-de-sac. Um, there's also this thing called the 30-30 rule. I had never heard of this before. I was not even really sure when I kept searching about it, like how I'd not. But the 30-30 rule says that if the time between seeing a lightning flash and hearing the thunder is 30 seconds or less, the lightning is close enough to pose a threat. After the storm ends, wait 30 minutes before you leave your shelter. This is really helpful because for some reason I had it in my head that it was like five seconds. And then that's when it's important to care about. Like, right. It's like see lightning, hear thunder, five seconds. Okay. Storm is near you. I didn't realize 30 seconds because that means that the storm is substantially further away, but yet it still can be dangerous. And I was out in my yard the other day as a storm was rolling in, utilizing my weed eater. Because again, I love weed eating. And lightning started going off. And then the rain just came pouring down as I am in my backyard trimming around my back porch. And I saw the storm coming in. But I'm like, no big deal. You know, it's not that big a deal. It's not even raining yet. But the lightning had been going off for minutes. And I'm not saying that my weed eater would have been a lightning rod for said lightning, but having learned what we just did about lightning starts in the sky, it's looking for a meeting point coming from the ground. Perhaps my weed eater could have been it. So follow the 30-30 rule. If you see lightning flash and you hear the thunder and it's 30 seconds or less, put yourself into a safe space. Obviously, insurance right? Ensuring that your homeowner's or your renter's insurance policy covers lightning strikes strikes, and the damage that can cause is of the utmost importance. That was one of the first things we did the next day, called up the insurance company. Yes, we are covered for lightning strikes and the damage that it can cause um, up to a very good, healthy, generous amount. So I'm not concerned about that anymore. But I did not want to be in a situation where the first time I called my insurance company to talk to them about lightning strikes was whenever my house had been hit by lightning and now I needed to find out what my coverage was. Don't do that to yourself. Right? You want that financial peace of mind if a strike does occur. That's to me just, it's very important. Um, you can also prepare yourself with a Faraday cage. Um, it might seem a little extreme, but you can get Faraday bags at big box stores and online, and this can protect your electronics from these electromagnetic fields, uh, which obviously would be very useful uh, if you live in a very lightning-prone area, which I think is most people who see rain. So maybe not that big of a deal in the Southwest, but certainly here in the Southeast, where storms like to come rolling in and rolling out as if, you know, it was just a, a television show for 30 minutes. You look outside and you're like, where in the hell did this deluge come from? A Faraday bag could be very important if this is something that you really want to go up that extra level. Uh, you can have grounding mats. Um, these can ensure that electricity from a strike is safely directed into the ground. This can go along with your lightning rods. Look into that again. Um, you're going to want to have uh, non-electrical hobby supplies. So if you are sitting there with a lightning strike happening all around you and you've shut almost everything down in your house, then you can at least do something with your day and night. Um, lightning safety drills, again, whether it's you know schools and workplaces, when a lightning 
lightning storm comes in, uh, you can make your actions second nature and help keep yourself calm in this real world event by practicing lightning safety drills. You know, what do the kids know about lightning? Do they understand what it can do? Because I can guarantee you everybody in our cul-de-sac is very well aware of what lightning can do now because of what we saw it do to our neighbor's home. And then, of course, you're going to want to check with a, uh, you know, a electrician, a structural engineer, a lightning safety specialist, somebody in your community that can help you out to make sure that your home is safe. And of course, you're going to want to make sure that you've got some fire extinguishers in your home. So if lightning does strike near you or on your home and it does start a fire, you have the ability to get that fire out as soon as possible. Um, You might need a hammer or an axe to start pulling drywall away to get at the source of the fire, whatever that's going to look like. Think about that stuff. And again, this is one of the reasons why we talk about it on here is that if you haven't ever thought about this and then all of a sudden your wall catches on fire, um, what are you going to do about it? Uh, Glasses of water or a hose from your your spigot outside is not a good answer. And then what can you do to be prepared for when your electricity goes out? And a lot of this stuff is rather um, knowledgeable. People know about these things. So do you have emergency lighting? Um, We had a lantern that ran off of D batteries, but it also would have been a lot more helpful had we had multiple sources of light that were like this that perhaps operated off of a hand crank. So now I've got some of those in my Amazon shopping cart and they will be on the way soon. Portable chargers and battery packs. I have two uh, portable battery packs that I use for my cell phones that I keep charged all the time, one in my office, one next to the bed. This is to make sure that um, when I'm sleeping at night, that's what I like to plug my phone into, is into these portable battery packs so that if electricity does go off in the middle of the night, my phone is still going to be getting charged. And then each morning I just wake up and plug that charger back into the wall so that it's always got a full charge. So when this electricity went out and the lightning struck next door, I was already prepared with two battery packs that I know can refill um, a phone 20 times before it needs to be recharged. So I knew we were more than prepared to at least have our phones available to us. Non-perishable foods and waters. We didn't have much setting outside of the refrigerators to eat. We did not want to get into the refrigerators because as soon as you open up those doors, that's it. You've let all the cool air out. Refrigerator is going to get warm immediately. We were very mindful not to open up the freezer. We have one out in the garage that's like a drawer that pulls out at the bottom of the fridge. And then the top is the double door refrigerator. So um, there is no spoilage of food in that one out in the garage. That one's just for like soda pops and bottled water. So wasn't concerned about that one because it is outside. It was more susceptible to the heat. And the lower freezer was fine. We had no reason to open that. It was the inside freezer. We have an ice machine that's that runs off the electricity that is fed from the wall to the fridge. That ice machine, we weren't sure how long the electricity was going to be out for. Once we got into that third hour, we actually, me and the girlfriend, um, very strategically f- planned on how to open up the freezer door, get the ice uh container out of the freezer and close the freezer door as fast as possible because if the ice melted the way that the the ice machine is situated is that water would have just started pouring out of where the dispenser is on the fridge. So we wanted that ice out of the refrigerator because we didn't have any other method of making sure that we didn't wake up the next morning with a huge puddle of water on our hardwood floors. So it took us about 
three seconds to get that freezer opened and get that ice thing out and close back up again so we didn't let a lot of the cold air out. These are things that you're going to want to be thinking of. Like it was all very strategic with the timing when we opened up anything. We stayed out of all the inside fridge and we basically just drank water out of the spigot, you know, the tap in the kitchen and uh, made, I think I made a peanut butter sandwich that night. That was my dinner with potato chips. Not the best dinner of all time, but certainly better than no dinner at all. Um, I know where my first aid kits are. Do you know where your first aid kits are? Do you have a portable generator, an uninterrupted power supply? This can be a little bit more expensive. And um, as we have talked about on the podcast, and we'll continue to bring other people on the podcast to talk about, it might be something that you've got to save up for in order to get a generator. But later on that night, in order to complete my 10,000 steps a day, a journey that I do every day, I was walking around the neighborhood right around midnight, and I could hear two different neighbors with generators running. Um, obviously, this is good for them that they've got generators. I didn't see any lights on in their homes, so more than likely they were utilizing them for the refrigerators and their freezers. But one neighbor left their garage door open, I'm going to assume all night because it was midnight when I saw this. And that is to me, an invitation to somebody looking to be nefarious to come up in the house and perhaps take the generator or take things out of the garage. No doubt this person locked their garage door that led into the home, but still they left their home susceptible to nefarious people because they left that garage door open. Not to mention, I get that there's an exhaust that comes from the the generator at the same time, like, is that your best solution is to have it in the garage? Is there another way that that perhaps could be outside of the garage in case it has an issue? Do you want that burning down your garage? And is there a way to protect it from the weather? So there is a lot of thought that needs to go into having a generator. Clearly the way this person chose to do it that night worked for them because their house is still standing and nothing was taken from their garage um, that I know of because I do see these people regularly. So it worked, but is that the best solution? Because a loud-ass generator is a loud-ass invitation for other people who might be in need to come find your home and perhaps do something nefarious towards you. So just keep that in mind. If you do get a generator, they are loud and they are easy for people to hear when everything around me is silence. Silence. It's amazing how loud a neighborhood is with just electricity flowing through it. From the lights overhead to the lights coming from people's home, there's like a hum I can hear. That night when walking around the neighborhood, the hum was gone. And I was very well aware of the hum the next night when I was walking around getting my steps right around midnight and all of a sudden I could hear the hum again. There is a hum that comes from electricity. When that goes away, it is just silence. Even the cicadas were silent that night, so it was not hard to hear the generators running in the cul-de-sac. And it wasn't even my cul-de-sac, it was the cul-de-sac across the backyards. So just be mindful. You get a generator, how are you protecting it from other people? How are you protecting it from the elements? And is leaving your garage door open all night long really the best solution that you have? Other ideas, alternative cooking methods, we certainly did not have any of those, although we did have our our gas grill, we would have had to open up um, a refrigerator or freezer to get food out of there, and we didn't have any meat dethawed, so that was really not going to do us any good. A mechanical clock in case your phone dies so that you can see what time it is. Of course, books and board games and cards, and we're actually going to be going over that in um, September's episode when I come on, because that's actually a really great opportunity for us to discuss 
Um, it's Children and Youth Preparedness Month in September, as well as we're going to be discussing income and economics over on AmericanContingency.com. So I'm going to bring in some of that information and discuss that as well um, in September. Um, really cool thing going on. Um, the I'm getting ready to say solar-powered or hand-cranked radio. Um, really cool thing going on here in Huntsville is the Ham Radio Fest here in Huntsville on August 19th and August 20th. Uh, check out our social media and obviously check out AmericanContingency.com for more information about that. Super, super excited about the Ham Fest happening here in Huntsville. Um, solar-powered and hand-cranked radios are great for you to be able to get information outside of your home and outside of your cul-de-sac or neighborhood. However, if you really want to get some information for what's going on around the community, there's a very good chance that there are some ham radio people who are um, in your community. And um, we, I believe that's coming up in a future episode where we actually talk about emergency communication. But a little, little taster of that episode is that you can actually go to like the Walmarts and you can find um, ham radios that are actually handheld. It's almost like a walkie-talkie. You do not have to get one of those big old setups that you're picturing from the 70s where you've got your whole attic set up with like an antenna and all that jazz. Certainly, you're going to be able to hear people further away if that is what you have in your yard as well as that there's actually uh, transponders set up around your town. But if you just want something immediate to get involved in ham radio operations, you actually can just go to like a Walmart type store and go over to their electronics area. I'd be willing to bet there's probably a survival shops type thing going on in your town. Go there. Those people are absolutely the people you should ask. Nothing against the big box stores, but shop local. And then of course you want warm clothing and blankets or you want a way to cool off. Battery operated fans, something that perhaps you could crank with a fan. There's actually some of those on the internet, not too hard to find. So if you're looking for a way to cool yourself off, because our house was extremely hot, you can open up your windows during a storm because most insects and bugs, um, they hide whenever the weather is nefarious. I'm, I'm apparently in love with the word nefarious in this episode. Um, when the weather is uh, inclement weather, then the bugs and the mosquitoes tend to not come out. So you could actually keep your windows open. Perhaps if you don't have screens, be just be mindful. I don't know what you got going on. If you live in a swamp, you're probably always going to have mosquitoes. But if there are not a lot of mosquitoes and bugs, you could open up your window. Um, of course, then somebody could crawl through your window or a snake could come in your window. So a raccoon, even maybe a possum. I mean, a lot of things can go sideways on this whole idea, but you need to use your own best judgment on that. Other than that, my friends, that's it. What a crazy situation to have gone through. It was super informative. I really enjoyed the fact that I took on that learning hat afterwards. Like during the moment of making sure that my neighbor's house wasn't on fire and trying to help them and offer them any support we could. Obviously, there was a lot of emotions going on because your house just got hit by lightning, like you're going to have emotions. Once all of the smoke settled, not real smoke, but metaphorical smoke, just them knowing that we were here for them and that we would help them if we could and whatever we could do, as well as, you know, allowing them to use our electricity, um, going over there and helping them with some yard work, keeping an eye on their chickens. Like these are just things that I consider neighborly. I'm sure for a lot, most of us out there, that's the kind of thing we'd want to be doing for others too. Cause frankly, I'd want somebody to want to do that for me if I was in a similar situation. And then as far as just being prepared when you don't have electricity, we talk about this so much, I feel like a broken record, yet even I don't have a lot of these things yet. And yes, finances are a part of it. 
moved into a new home. There's a lot of expenditures that are out there, but getting a hand cranked radio, getting some other flashlights, this is a buy-in of like a hundred bucks. And we're going to talk about income and economics in September, but you have to ask yourself, if you are in one of these situations where you don't have electricity for 12, 24, 36, 48 hours, what would you really want in those times? What would make you feel more comfortable? What would feel make you feel more safe? What would help you have some kind of emotional grounding while you are going through the experience of the storm and of the not having of electricity? And then say to yourself, if in that moment you, you had no electricity and somebody came up and said, hey, uh, you know, 100 bucks for this radio so you can hear where the storm's at or $100 for this board game because you need something to keep your kids entertained, you'd probably pay that 100 bucks pretty quick to have that information and have that that kind of entertainment. Well, don't wait till you're in that moment wishing somebody would come and give you these things or sell them to you at a 10x markup. Just go buy them on Amazon or one of those big box stores. Again, I'm not, we have no affiliation with these people, but go get those things. Because when you're in a time of need, the money that you saved now will not matter to you then. You're going to wish you had it and you're going to wish you'd already done it. And you might just find yourself out of electricity for 12 hours and then you just get to go get these things now. But what if that had been 24 or 36 or 48 or 72 or even more? What would I have done then? Luckily, I am part of the American contingency community. I've got family members literally in town who are in American contingency. Shout out to Tom Rigsby. Obviously, he was the only person, him and his wife, Vicki, I called that night just to be like, hey, we have no electricity. Where's this storm located? What are we expecting to come up? We phone didn't work. Text messaging barely worked. We were not in a very good situation communication-wise, and that's something that we'll dive into more in the future because maybe it's time that I get myself one of those handheld ham radios because then I could have been talking to Tom. Talking to Tom like he was sort of kind of next door, even though he's 17 miles away. So that's the episode, my friends. As always, what we're seeking to do is just bring a little bit of certainty to an uncertain world. So when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and confidence to be ready for whatever comes next. Join us at AmericanContingency.com. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.